It's the last episode of the first season of our little podcast, Fox. It came. It sure did came. <laughs> that made a lot of sense. Yes. So it's May the 10th, Sunday, Mother's Day. I have talked to my mother today. Did you talk to your mother, Fox? Yes, I did talk to my mother. I, I cut it close, but I did talk to her. Good. And what I want to do in this last episode of the season is just look back at this experience and talk about it in terms of how we made it happen, what we learned from it, what we enjoyed, what we didn't enjoy, that kind of thing. Are you up for that, Fox? I'm up for it. I'm up for it. checking the levels and making sure and we're fine. I always have my students at, at the end of the semester write a reflective letter about their experience with a particular essay or with the class or whatever. And I think it's good to look back at what you've done. Yes, yes. And I, think about it. I will be glass. We will reflect. Ha ha. Okay. So, yeah, you know, my idea for this podcast really came many, many years ago when I was still living in Marion. I had this idea of doing a YouTube series of videos on fantastic women in Alabama. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of let that go. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted to do have a, uh, what's it, theater company. Yes. And I let that go. Yes. <laughs> Finally, I realized that it would be really cool to have a podcast. I've always wanted to have a talk show. I was a huge talk show freak. Sure. Growing up. Oprah, Phil, everybody. Donahue? Donahue, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know him. Okay. So... That's co- sort of, it had been brewing in my mind for a long time. And then when I found out that Art Play was doing the class, I was so excited. And I was excited that you wanted to do it with me because... From a technical perspective, sure, it could be interesting. And look, I've become the hack job of an editor you see before you. I think you do a great job editing. Well, thank you. I really do. And Drew Romanowski was the guy who taught that class at Art Play. And he was a great teacher. Yes. He really showed us how we needed to have a plan for what we wanted to do. He had us find podcasts that we liked and share those and think about what we liked about those. And I knew from the beginning I wanted an interview-based podcast. Sure, sure. And he helped us focus our vision, but he also gave us a lot of technical advice. Yes, he did. You can talk about that more than I can. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Like, he gave me some basics on, like, those first few episodes we recorded in that really airy space, and he helped show me the filters so as to capture the top and bottom of what all we needed. I've already forgotten the language, but I know the plugins. Yeah, you were a good student. Thank you. I think he liked you. Yes, I'd I'd like to think so, yes. Drew was really cool, or is really cool. He does recordings of live music events, like concerts. Yes, yes. And that's, from what he explained, is very difficult, but, but rewarding for him. So he had a lot of great advice. He was a really good teacher. Those were like six classes, I think. Six or eight, yeah. Yeah, if, if UAB Art Play does that again, if any of you are interested in doing a podcast, I really recommend that, don't you? Yeah, yeah, and even with the coronavirus making the world the desolate place that it is, they're still doing stuff. We uh, didn't... Was it Carla Youngblood who had that class you stepped had, in on? Yeah, Carla did a class about stand-up and public speaking, and she had... Half of her class, I think, ended up being in person, and then... They transitioned to Zoom. Right, and they mm-hmm. had a, a showcase yeah. at the end of the semester, and she invited me to watch her students do their 
stand up, and it was great. It was wonderful. And they're doing classes this summer. Yes, through Zoom. Through Zoom. From what I see on the website. Yes. And that was a fun class. Carla was in it. Sam was in it. Eight people, I think. Eight or ten, yes. Yeah. I really enjoyed the class. And we learned a lot. So we we did learn to get good equipment. We have, what are these microphones? Blue Yeti microphones, though they're black Yeti microphones. They are black. They are black, but they're blue Yetis. Blue Yeti, I I highly recommend. Don't you like these? Yes. Um... I have, my YouTube connections showed me that at some point, and they're they're cheap, they're USB, they're great quality for what they are, and we were not looking to do analog whatever. So for for what we were doing here, it was a great cheap setup. It works great, and I've listened to our mm-hmm. podcast on different plat different media, I guess I should say, and it sounds good. Mm-hmm. I think the Zoom that we did with Ben was a little different, just because just because it was Zoom and we we had the power go out about halfway through, and the internet was bloggy, and it was it was a thing, but we got through it. Yeah, and I would think if any of you listening are thinking about doing a podcast, and I've heard from some people that you would like to, try Blue Yetis. Yes. They're really easy. Now, I can say this. I don't do the editing. Fox does it, and he this uses, is, what is it you use? Uh, Reaper. Um, I'm sure it's got a more specific name. Reaper Media, maybe? Um, and that's free, right? Uh, it was free for the first 60 days. We ended up paying like $60 for it. Oh, thank mm-hmm. you, Fox. I yes. appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I considered it a month's throwaway right there. I went to the bar a little less that month. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> so you use Reaper, and Fox goes through, what do you do when you edit? So... <laughs> I'm Tell al- us the inside info. I'm almost scared to say so, because people below are going to think it's fascinating, and people above are going to think, my God, you hack. But <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, I go through, I there's little plugins, little mini programs within reaper to help clean up audio along the way so there's there's stuff involved to take different frequencies and amplify or soften them so again like when we had those echoey spaces early on i had to deal with that on on the forefront um the thing that takes longest obviously is just going through and chopping it up to where i feel it's got a nice a nice natural flow to it cutting out the ums the butts the stumbling of speaking that happens along the way. Yeah, I tend to do this thing, and my students know this, where I am very circuitous. Yes. I'll start. It's not even really a tangent. It's just this sort of circular thing, and then I come back. And admittedly, you're the common thread through all this, so I I tend to do that more with the guests, because we're not as used to their rhythms. But gotcha. Sometimes with you, too. I think you do a great job, and okay. I have learned to stop saying, um, so much. Oh, yes. I'm very proud of myself. Mm-hmm. I've been making more videos for my students in my online classes, and I noticed that I'm saying, um, less. Good, good. I just said it twice, but that was on purpose. Right, right. You've said it several times. Ha, 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 ha. Now you have to cut yourself. Ha, ha. So setting it up, you know, we did that first episode where it was just a preview of what we're going to do for this season, which I I had learned from listening to a lot of other podcasts that there's usually this one little trailer teaser thing. Sure. So we did that. We learned in class that you really do have to get permission to use music. So I found that I wanted to have my friend Robbie Kirk record a version of where you uh, bright in the corner where you are. But it just didn't work out it for didn't whatever. Happen. But it'll happen eventually. Sure. But I found this version, the one that we use, 
of this man, and I wrote an email to him, and he said I could use it, so I got his permission, and I was very It was for like a TV that. show he used to do or something, right? No, he's, I think he plays gospel music on his YouTube channel. Okay. And he has these kind of creepy dolls sitting on his piano. I don't know oh. what they are, but he's really good. I love that old-timey gospel, you know, all, I'm not a pianist, but the, all those arpeggios and just your hands are all over the keyboard. I love that, <laughs> that old-timey gospel sound. So Iris DeMint has an album where she does that. I love that. So we ripped that audio off of YouTube, and I've kept it in a folder of recurrent stuff ever since. But you have, you can talk about, there's a, there, there also, you guys, there's music that's available, sort of, that people give you permission to use, like that Absolutely. Dead Inside music that we use. Yes. It, Patricia Taxon, I've played, I believe, two songs of hers, maybe three songs of hers over this season, uh, Dead Inside. And I think the uh, the the big the big other one I remember using was "Tonight We Ride," which went through the coronavirus episode. Patricia is a big presence in the leftist content creation factory of YouTube. Uh, she's done stuff for H Bomber Guy and a couple other political leftist things when they want a soundtrack for something. She did a soundtrack for someone's short uh, short film on Garfield. Uh, that was fun. Fun. Um, no, she's, uh, she's a great trans creator who, she's got her stuff up on, up on, on Bandcamp, and she's got her own YouTube channel, and she's very anti-copyright um, law, and is very much of the opinion, you know, I'm creating the work I'm creating, I'm taking care of myself the way I'm taking care of myself, attribute credit, and spread help me spread my work, and that's fine, so I've, I've, really, that. tried, I've really tried to push her work, make sure she's mentioned prominently at the end of every episode, because I really do like her work. Most of what I've pulled from has been from a single album of hers, but I might branch out a little bit further later. A lot of her stuff is very experimental to where I, it doesn't always work as background, but that one particular album I really liked. I love the music that you, and what I've, I've, it's been our sort of running joke, everybody, throughout this past several months, that I love it when at the end of, in the closing credits, Fox goes, the transition music dead, dead inside. inside that just yes. cracks me up dead inside oh uh, uh, it's a cute little song and i don't actually get to the lyrics but it is her she, she's got this great chorus it's like dead inside how you been water's getting warmer might as well swim <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome but mm-hmm. i just want everybody to know because again i have have quite a few people ask me about you know in emails about creating a podcast you definitely want to make sure that you investigate copyright and find you know make sure that you're giving credit where it's due and not doing anything because you'll get pulled down right right and we've not done much but we but we've what we have done we've been cautious and we've done our homework oh and remember in class how i thought it was going to be really hard for me not me not to burst out into songs that are copyrighted just that didn't happen i'm glad (laughs) so our first interview was with carlton bell and damone williams yes and they were representing birmingham black repertory theater company that is true that was so, it was such a wonderful experience for me. I don't know if it was for you too, but it was the first interview and I got in touch with this person I had never met before, mm-hmm. didn't know. And it felt, it was just, it was, I was a little nervous, but it was exciting. And when I saw Carlton and Damone walk up, I was like, this is so cool. And by the end of the interview, it felt like I connected to them, these complete strangers in a deeper way than you would normally in the course of an hour. Oh, yes. And that was one of the things that felt really has felt really powerful to me about this podcast all the way through is that it's like when you have a good conversation with someone, you get past the small talk and all that, and then you really can 
connect with people about something a little more meaningful than the weather. <laughs> I appreciated bearing witness to that. It was my first time setting up. I think we only we still had all, just the one microphone at the time. We've since gotten two. Oh yeah, that's um, right. So <laughs> we, we were in that echoey little uh, anti-chamber place looking out over the street on the second floor and we didn't really have a table to put the microphone on so I grabbed uh, a music stand and was trying to keep it balanced (laughs) the whole time it was working I think it almost tipped once but that was that that was a fun time and that's the point where you realize hey we're we're actually doing this Jimmy had balls that I would not have had to grab Damone and Carlton the way he did. And well, and it wasn't that typical. I was having this deep, meaningful experience and you're yes. like being very practical. We That's need to true. figure out where to put the microphone. We need... So together we've done a very good job. I think. Yes. Yes. I enjoyed, I don't know what Carlton and Damone are up to these days. I think Carl, the last I heard Carlton was up in the Northeast somewhere doing something, a theater production. Mm-hmm. I think he was, di- I think they were directing and Damone is in Atlanta, I think. Mm-hmm. But, you know, now's a challenging time for a theater, I'm sure. With Absolutely, the- yeah. I can tell you, some YouTubers I follow over in Britain, they've, I've got a better idea of their theater scene. They're just absolutely decimated, and they've got a much bigger theater scene over in London than we have here, and a lot of them are just biding their time in their second jobs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I hope that Damone and Carlton are both doing well. Yes. I looked up Birmingham Black Repertory Theater Company because I was curious how the pandemic would be affecting them, and I noticed pretty much all the theater companies in town seem to be sort of on pause. Yes. But I'm hoping they have a bright future, all of them, because I think theater is so important. Yes. And after Carlton and Damone, we had Kara on. We called it Kara's Corner. Oh, yes. I love Kara. I've known her for a long time now, a couple Mm -hmm. of years, I think. And I got to know her through her job, and she wanted to do the podcast without giving her last name. But we had a great conversation. She was She's really into theology, especially what I would call progressive theology. Certainly. And she talked a lot about the Church Two movement and her experience as a Christian. That was a really interesting conversation. I like her a lot. I hope to have her back again sometime. Mm-hmm. Where? How did we record? We recorded, that was the first one we recorded here in the apartment. Yes, and we sat over in the living room. Around, uh, we grabbed a chair and pulled it up around. Our living room's not really built for small uh like every everything's up against a wall separate from each other but we pulled things together and it was nice and we still only had one mic at that time we did yes it did get i think the sound got better once we started using two mics oh absolutely absolutely is it easier to edit that way it's easier to edit you can individually adjust like this one having this volume at this time uh if if something got bumped hopefully it only affects the one microphone so you can just chop that bit out for that for the moment even if both are picking up both people's audio, there's generally a preference for one versus the other, so you can at least get a little bit of focus. I'm making notes while Fox talks. Is that off-putting? No. So we, after Kara, we did the interview with Barry Perkins, a.k.a. Receives Cox. Receives Cox. That's her drag name. Yes. And that was fun. We went back to Art Play to the anteroom. Yes. With the bad sound. Yeah. <laughs> but it was... It was easier. It worked out. See, that's one of the things I've learned doing this podcast. If you want to do an interview podcast, scheduling is an issue. Yes, it is. And you have to be respectful of people's time, and you have to find locations that work. At first, I was really weird 
I felt weird about asking people to come to my apartment. Right. People who didn't know me. I was hoping you'd get over that, and you did. I did. And I thought people wouldn't want to. Mm-hmm. But I don't think people mind. Abby came over to the apartment. Abby but came over. Her. Other people, we went to their apartments. It was fine. People understand. I could understand why, if you were doing this professionally, you would have your own space, I yes. guess. I know I love to listen to Martina McBride's podcast. And or at the very least, you'd rent time in a professional rent space. Rent time, yeah. And Martina McBride and her husband have this state-of-the-art studio called Bluebird Studios in Nashville. It's like, what? It's, you know, top of the line. Sure. So they record all of theirs in that space, but I'm not Martina McBride. Oh, it's fine. And it, and even so, you're not Mac- Martina McBride, but that's fine. In the Bluebird place, she has to walk on all those eggshells anyway. Oh, shut up. <laughs> so we it had that interview with Barry, which was really nice. I enjoyed that. I thought Barry is really funny and interesting, and he does a lot for the community. Oh, yes. And that was one of the reasons that I wanted to do the podcast. I wanted the podcast to be less about me mm-hmm. and more about the people that I was interviewing. And I think that we've succeeded at that, don't you? Right. Because um, you've been more in tune with the fan response than I've been. Barry talked a bit about uh, his paganism, his uh, Wiccanism, or mm-hmm. f- for lack of a better, his paganism. Did you see any sort of backlash or any sort of response to that? No. That's good. That's good. I was hoping that that would be received well, because he talked about it very nicely. And I always want to have a space where people feel comfortable to talk about their own truth mm-hmm. and their own experiences. And it's a, it should be a non-judgmental space. I would never invite someone on the podcast with whom I had significant moral problems. Sure. So my listeners, all, you know, 10 of them, need to understand that... It's a safe place, you know? So mm-hmm. I may have a Christian on one week and a pagan on the next week and an atheist or etc. So I do that in my classroom. I really do believe that people should feel comfortable expressing themselves. Right. And I want, and I'm not, you know, going to ask really uncomfortable questions either. I'm not a journalist. I'm not right. trying to, I'm not interviewing politicians and trying to get to the bottom of something for the public good. Mm-hmm. I'm really just trying to get people to share their experiences so that maybe other people can get something from it and i and and my remember remember what my mission was (laughs) i had to i finally identified my mission starting this do you remember this do you remember you don't no i wanted to have conversations with people that created a meaningful experience for the for those of us in the conversation and for anyone who found who might find that experience that conversation meaningful as well that's it. I didn't want to make money. I didn't want to be famous. I don't, none of those things. All I wanted to do was create meaningful experiences mm-hmm. for whoever wants them. <laughs> and I'm not concerned with how big my audience is. I'm not concerned with anything like that. I'm just concerned about being authentic and having meaning Good. in the experience. And I think we've done that. Before we move on to the next person, do you mind if I just say something about the general drag community right now? Sure. Um, speaking of non-judgment and trying to just reach out and see the space that you have uh if you're in if you're at all interested in what a drag queen is and what a kind of per, and what a performance of theirs entails oddly enough now is probably the best time to look into that because with the coronavirus being what it is the bars have been shut down they're trying to uh, keep going in the interim best they can but they can't have drag shows so a lot of drag queens have taken to online streaming personal shows and makeup tutorials and lip syncs all on their screens, whether it's on Instagram. I know a lot of them 
locally here in Birmingham are on Facebook. Sharon Cox, Receives Cox, Fondell Woods, they've all been doing Facebook shows. So if you're interested in that, by all means, give it a look. Absolutely, yes. Mm-hmm. And let me back up and say that if you have the means and you're interested in doing so, you should also look up local theater companies like Birmingham Black Repertory Theater Company or Red Mountain Theater or Theater Downtown or whoever it is. And if you if they are if they're having any kind of campaigns, fundraising campaigns, please you know help out artists and drag queens and and even if you don't have the financial wherewithal right now. Share their share their content. Share what they're doing. Get more eyes on them. See if someone else can. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. So after Barry, we had Ben, our friend Ben, who w- did not want us to use his last name. This is true. Who eventually came back again, and we had the two teachers talk about education. Yes. The worst title. I, I couldn't come up with a good title. But that well, I couldn't use his last name, so I didn't just want to call it Ben. Right. But I guess I could have. And we had a really good, cool conversation about education. I actually got some good feedback about that from Kara actually really enjoyed that when she told me that she had listened to that and she really liked it. Mm-hmm. And a couple of other people t- talked about that. And that was really cool. Mm-hmm. I love talking about education. I don't remember what all she said, but my mom came up through the Alabama education system. So she had a few comments to say to me as well. It was it was the most responsive I ever got her to be about this podcast, which was nice. But she's very nice to listen, and she's always been very positive and supportive. True. And we have, you know, my friend Kelly Ann Griffiths listens, mm-hmm. and she's so supportive and wonderful. I love her. I hope to get her on the podcast eventually. Mm-hmm. My former student, Haley Haley, I forgot your new married name. Used to be Grimes. I'll come back to it. Is it Harbison? I'll have to look it up because I can't remember Haley. Haley listens. So we have some regular Emily Kirby listens, who we interviewed later. We're going to talk about that. We have some people who listen, and they give us feedback, and I really do appreciate that. Mm -hmm. And we have people I don't know who are listening Mm -hmm. because I can look at the stats online. I don't look at them a lot, but occasionally I look. You can see what state you've been listened to in, and uh, it's very interesting to see that people listen. Yeah. And again, my goal is not to have thousands of listeners or hundreds or dozens even. It Mm -hmm. is just to do it and learn from it and have a meaningful experience. And that conversation with Ben was really actually very inspiring to me. I think Ben is one of the coolest people I know. He's definitely, aside from you, one of the most intelligent people that I know. And I really feel like I learn something every time I talk to him. I wish he would do his own podcast. Mm Mm-hmm. And after Ben, we did talk to Emily, my former student, now friend. Who Emily is the, Kirby. Emily Kirby. I do like that name. Yes. And that was really fun because we drove up there. She's the managing editor of the Fort Payne Times. And we drove up there. To, to, to the Fort Payne office, yes. Yeah. And we got to see her office and we did the interview there at the offices. That was really fun. Mm-hmm. We had two mics. Yes. I think we had two mics for Ben. We had two mics by Ben. Yeah. Everybody, if you want to do a podcast... And you're doing an interview stock podcast, or if you're ever going to be talking to more than one person, get to microphones. It's just easier to clean. It's easier to control. It's all that. But Emily is honestly one of my favorite people in the world. We had a great time with her even after we went to lunch. Remember? Mm-hmm. This was before coronavirus. It was just really nice up there. And... I forget the name of the restaurant, but it was just fun. We walked around downtown. It was so nice. We went to a little brunch place. Yes. And one of the things that I really liked about this podcast is that it gives me an opportunity to reconnect with people from different parts of my life that I haven't seen in a while. And Emily and I see each other on social media all the time and like each other's posts, but it was just really nice to see her. Mm -hmm. You know, she was 
not a kid, but no. she was younger when she was at in in my class. That would have been back in 2011. It was like 10 years ago almost. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, she's grown up and now she's a, an editor of a news. I just think that's really cool. And she's such a nice person. You like to see these things go out into the world. I understand yeah. that. And I love her personality. She's just, there's just something about her I've always really liked. And so it was nice to reconnect with her. The same thing when we interviewed my cousins later, we'll talk about that, mm-hmm. but reconnecting with them and even connecting with Ben in a different way than, you know, we have charades nights a lot with Ben and my other friends and... Well, not so often these days. Well, not these with the days. coronavirus. They've had enough of the charade. But we did do charades regularly, I think for two years every month. Yeah. Off and on. And Ben and I knew each other socially that way. And then to get one-on-one time to talk about ideas and education, that's really interesting. You just get to connect in different ways. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things I, li- I have liked about this, and that's one of the reasons I liked seeing Emily again. And I'll just say one more time, she's a fantastic person, and I adore her, and I wish her all the best. We moved on after Emily to talk to Jonathan Sweat, who directed Small Mouth Sounds for Theater Downtown. Lovely time, lovely performance. That was such... A wonderful play it was and he did such a great job with that they had to do it in a different space because theater downtown lost its space of years over a decade it had that space yes for reasons that don't recall to me now but it was long before the virus so. right and they did it in a space in brookwood village in the mall it looked like a yoga or a, or a gym type place yeah. within the mall and it worked out great he did such a good job with that show it's one of my favorite productions i've seen there and he, it was, I think it was only his second time directing. Mm-hmm. And he did an excellent job. And we went to his house. We did. Lovely house. It was lovely so nice. Lovely house, lovely dog. Lovely dog. It was so nice. But mm-hmm. shy. Shy. And he is just, he's, he's like a gentleman. He's yes. a gentleman. You know what I mean? Like, he's just such a nice guy. Yes. And smart and soft-spoken, but... And you were so scared that it wasn't going to work out. I really was. I thought... Jonathan didn't like me, I think. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that my little hang-up? The fact that he was so quiet around you previously, you thought he was standoffish, was my understanding. I know, and that was just me misreading him. But I was so happy that he let us come to his home that he agreed to do it, and it was just a wonderful interview. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that interview. It was one of my favorites. Oh, yes. They're oh, all yes. my favorites. Oh, yes. <laughs> come, all the children under the banner. <laughs> but at that point, we had two microphones, and once... Once we got into it, it was really easy to to do the podcast anywhere. Oh, yes, very much so. That's what's so fascinating to me is this really isn't that difficult, doing a podcast. The basics of it, absolutely. Once you get the basics down, you can. there's a lot you can do. Yes. And I think that perhaps the, the hardest part is doing something that... You find meaningful, for one thing. Yeah, it needs to be meaningful. And I guess if your goal is to build a big audience, then you really need to make sure that you're hooking an audience or you've hooked into an idea or hooked onto something that people want to listen to. Yes. I'm more of the opinion that I'm going to do what's meaningful. I'm going to continue to grow, and, and I'll talk about some things I want to do with the podcast at the end. But I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing mm-hmm. and see what happens. So after Jonathan Sweat, who we both love, yes, we moved on and... and had my wonderful friend Carla the Truth Youngblood on. Mm-hmm. She came here, mm-hmm. comedian, breast cancer survivor, author, all kinds, now teacher. I love Carla. If she were on the internet more, they'd call her a content creator. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, she is, right? Mm-hmm. She was, she is just made for, for this. I mean, she was so entertaining and thoughtful, everything all wrapped up in one. Mm-hmm. 
Don't you just love her? Yes, yes, I do. And she has a great voice. Oh yes, very much so. And they're they're and great again. I'm the editor. I I listen to these things three or five times through by the time I'm done. And there were little mannerisms in how she spoke. I won't go into them too much, but it I I, I developed an affinity and a just oh I'm glad to be listening to this sort of feeling when editing through that episode. Yeah, she's a special person. She really is, and mm-hmm. I'm very lucky to know her. So after Carla, we mm-hmm. went, we, I, I thought it would be fun to talk to my cousins, Christy and Kenyula. And Kenyula is a regular listener. Oh, good. And Christy too, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. That's okay, Christy, if you're not. And we had- There's st- always a time to start. <laughs> but Kenyula listens and she's been very supportive. I love that about her. So we talked to Christy and Kenyula. We went up to Decatur to Christy's house and that was a lot of fun. It was, it was. Were there any challenges as an editor for that one? <laughs> Oh, well... Because there were basically three of us. There were three of us. Or four, counting you. I did not get the best positioning for those microphones at that point. One of them was a little more echoey just because it was near that entrance hall. Uh, I say entrance hall. It was just a tall ceiling. It 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 wasn't my favorite to do, and I'll and not because of us and the content. No, no, we were talking about the technic editing. technically from a technical perspective, it wasn't my favorite because I felt like I couldn't do everything I could. And one thing I will mention here is that I I got into this was probably around the time I started my new job, and I did end up diving into that a little bit more. So if I seemed to be a little bit sleepier at the editing wheel. I apologize for that as we go into deeper episodes, but uh, I still enjoy what I'm doing here. It's just I haven't always been able to give all of my attention to it. Oh, Fox, I think that there's, as when I said that this was easy, I guess I should have clarified it. Doing the podcast is easy. Editing the podcast is probably not easy. Well, it requires all of your attention. Jimmy, you know me. You know I sit down and I've got the TV going and I've got my laptop and my laptop is split screen between two different things. And your phone. And my phone. And I am of my generation. I am split up in all those different directions. It helps keep the mental chafe at bay. But when I'm sitting down editing, it's it can be hard to get into. Once I get on a roll, which there's an episode down the line that I want to talk about where I really enjoyed it. I really got into a roll with that one. But it, it there's really a, a hurdle you have to get over of just being able to focus in on all of it. And it can be done, but it, it's a, it is a skill and it is a habit you have to hone. And sometimes I have it and sometimes I don't. Fox is perfectly suited for the editing style that he does. Mm-hmm. I wonder... I believe there are probably different editing styles. Oh, certainly. All this is practically self-trained after art play, so... I think that you are much more meticulous than some people might be in their editing. True. If I were editing this, I can tell you I would not have the patience that you have. Fox really does sit back there, y'all, and go through it over and over and over again. I would say that you've sort of settled into a pattern of doing it in one day. Yes. And it takes probably eight hours. Am I right? I'd say closer to four to six. Okay. So four to six hours of intense concentration. Yes. And you also have to keep in mind with the YouTube I watch, I see some immaculately edited one-man productions out there. So I I have a bar set high just for my own exposure. Well, I'm very lucky to have you doing this because... If I were left to my own devices, I just wouldn't edit it, and I would just record it and put it out there, and there would... It Please would... don't. <laughs> so, 
I thank you from the bottom of my heart of because course. you're not getting paid for it. But neither am I. But Kenyon and Christie was a great interview. And one of the things I loved about that, aside from the technical issues that you have, there's something about cousins that I just think is so magical. I don't. I can't explain it. At least in my family, we, my mom has nine brothers and sisters. On so on that side, I have a lot of cousins. And my dad, how many of them were four or five? I can't remember. But there are a lot of cousins. Most of us had a lot of cousins. No. Well, I guess only. It's two. it's very easy to branch out with. Yes. yes. Anyway, but Christy and Kenyon and I just, it was really nice to bond with them over that experience. And then we went to lunch afterward, and Jody was there, and I really like him. He's such a nice guy. And husband to Kenyon, yes. Yeah. Good. And then Christy's husband sent a message after he listened to it saying how much he liked it and he was so kind and mm-hmm. I just I love them I love that I love them so much and mm-hmm. it was just really nice and you know what was really interesting is at school not long after that back at college my job this is before corona when everybody was still there yes somebody I work with I can't remember his name said were you recently at such and such restaurant in Decatur and I was like <laughs> yeah he goes I saw you there I was like what I just I love it when little things like that happen little surprises it's a small world after all kind of thing the it, it's synergistic it's, yeah. it's synergy thank you <laughs> but after christy and Kenula, who i love so much i just love everybody don't i sam welcome to love fest 2020 this is your I dj really, i really do you know i am no this is interesting i think in my profession in teaching i may be perceived by some people as a very critical person not negative but i'm constantly critiquing power and administration that's something that i do a lot i have borne witness to this and it's very actually exciting to me and i i really like fighting for students and fighting for faculty but i do prefer a more peaceful (laughs) experience of just appreciating people who are good wonderful people and good at what they do and bring such positive energy to the world so it's not that I am constantly looking for things to critique. I, I hope that people, that's one thing people learn about me through this, is that I really like holding up other people and saying, look at what this person's doing, this is so cool, or, look at this wonderful person. I like celebrating other people. Sure. I think that's a really good thing to do, and it really brings joy to me. I think that's one of the things I like about teaching. I really do like it when students do well and when you know when they succeed at things. And I love to see Kenula doing so great at her real estate, and Christy's such a wonderful teacher. They're both great parents, and back to Sam, she's so smart and funny and interesting, and, you know, she and Carla are friends, and I met them a long time ago, but Sam was a great interview, too. Mm-hmm. Really enjoyed talking to Sam. What were your thoughts about that interview? That was back here at the apartment. I want to be sure. We're going in order. We did get to Sam? Yeah. Okay, Sam. Oh, yes, Sam was lovely. Uh, Sam... She's got, she's got a good community outlook. She's, I don't know what to say. It was just a very warm presence, and I enjoyed it. She is just, there's some, she's one of those people that when you're around her, you just get a very specific vibe that mm-hmm. you only get around her. And I love her voice. Mm-hmm. She has this deep, resonant voice. It's almost like uh, Kathleen Turner kind of, that. there's a lot of gravitas, a lot of depth to it. I'm laughing now because Kathleen Turner. Fox and I are binging net 
uh, what's that called? Nip Tuck right now. God help us, Nip Tuck. The trashiest, most horrible show. I don't know why I ever liked it. I've almost put it down. Like, I I will (laughs) laugh at the blood and circuses, but there's a point where it's just too much of a stunt. It is. I call it stunt riding because everything... There's no integrity to the characters or the There's no consistency in character portrayal or development. It's what will get the most excitement in this moment. It's just one stunt after the other. Except except the Carver. That one just kind of went out with a whimper. But Kathleen Turner was on, and she wanted to get her... A voice lift. Oh, she yes. wanted her voice to be higher because she had been a sex phone operator for so long and her voice was getting too deep and she needed to... Uh, anyway, enough about that. Yes. We got there because Sam has a much better voice than Kathleen Turner, but yes. they both got that <laughs> kind of deep voice, mm-hmm. uh, which I love. That just powerful voice. Mm-hmm. And it was very interesting to hear about... Not only her as an independent filmmaker in a in a community in an ecosystem like Birmingham's film community, but also from an archival standpoint, she's got her movies in libraries and this one here and this one here, and she has kept track of this is how I've kept my old work alive. And I, if I don't remember if I asked too much into it, but I appreciated hearing about it all the way through. Yeah, it's really cool. And she and the thing that inspires me about. Sam and Carla is that they both continue to just do new things and find new projects and 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 get deeper into their own authentic experience of, and ways of helping others and and expressing themselves and they're always doing really interesting things and 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 I think that's great and it shows that no matter no matter what your age mm-hmm. you can continue to grow as a human being and to find new ways and and, and... To keep on going with that thought, that archivalness is a part of that growth, and it's something that I appreciate because a lot of a lot of the younger creators that I pay attention to online, archival is either just a given or it's something where they think it's going to be thrown out and no one's going to care about in three weeks anyway. So a lot of the growth is just kind of has to assume a forgetting of the past, so that someone is putting so much emphasis on this is my work, it's looking at how things were, it's looking at how things are, and I want to keep it preserved so that other people can see it going right. forward. We need that continuity. We need to, Oh, that would be great to have Kelly on and talk about archiving because she's a librarian. I would appreciate that, yes. She would have a lot to say about that. But our, our next interview was Ab- Abigail Whithauer. Oh, yes. Abby, as I know her. Mm-hmm. And she is a dog trainer and the owner of Rover Chase, which I can't say too loudly because Dolly goes crazy. She loves Rover Chase. Yes. And that was a great interview. That was the last interview we did before quarantine. Yes. We knew, we the, saw it on the horizon. I remember talking with her either during or after the recording and her knowing that something was going to happen. But. Yeah. So that was interesting. I think we had a, we knew what was coming in terms of being quarantined. Yes. But she came over. This was a great interview. I like this interview because it was a little different than some of the other things. I, I tend to be more interested in talkative about things that are artistic or creative or you practically got academic on her <laughs> <laughs> but she was really talking about dog training and canine behavior and and also there was a, a little bit about business you know owning a business and running a business it was a very interesting conversation and i have known her f- since i got dolly mm-hmm. but we've never sat down and have a, had a conversation and that was really nice was there anything technical about that episode no and if at 
admittedly, that's an episode I remember editing the least because that is the point where I was in my work and the work I was doing at the time was from 6 to 2, 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. So I would come home. I would, if we had this to do, I would do this. But I was pretty much just blinders on, focused on that sort of thing. So if there's anything about that, I've probably forgotten about it. And I apologize, Abby. <laughs> oh, no, I think you did a great job. And by that point, we really had gotten it down. Yeah. We ideally do our po- record our podcasts here at the kitchen table, the dining room table. Mm-hmm. The ceiling is a lot lower than what we art saw at, at Art Play or, or at, at some of those House. other places. Yes. And it seems to be a good room to record in. You've got that Reaper seems to be working for you. Reaper's working well. I like our sound. I think it, you know, I've listened to some podcasts and I, what I always do is I listen to it in my earbuds and I listen to it in my car. And if I can't hear it in my car, there's a problem. And I hate, like if I've got it all the way up and I can barely hear it, but that does, it seems like you can hear ours everywhere. I won't say who it is, except that to say that it was a big drag queen. Do you remember we were on a trip, I want to say to Chattanooga or someplace, and we listened to this, some big like RuPaul-level drag queens podcast where I think it was supposed to be played alongside something else. And we could barely hear one of yes. the people there. And we turned it off. And we turned it off. Yeah, you don't want to listen to something you can't hear. And or so, even get the context for, yes. Right. So I always wanted to make sure that our listeners could hear what mm-hmm. we were doing. When we moved on to the next episode, the pandemic episode of people sharing their accounts of the p- pandemic. <coughs> Excuse me. I knew that one might be problematic because we were going to get people. We got people to record their own experiences. It was definitely a wrangling of sorts to get just all the files organized i still have that all of these folders i all of the, all of these audio snippets from this past year i still have in one section of my computer but that one was a lot of branching folders to keep track of it yeah and i guess part of that was i didn't plan that well it was an idea that i had about the second we do these every two weeks and i think a week went by and then the week we before, couldn't find anyone. The week before, I was like, what about this? Mm-hmm. And I got different sound files. I didn't tell... I wasn't specific about what kind of sound file to create, etc. I was trying not to make it too much work for people. At the worst case, I think a few of them were either M4As or MP4s, which I am not versed on what these things necessarily are, except that MP4s sometimes have video to them, and... Long story short, not all of them were compatible with the Reaper software. So in a few, uh, in a few extern- extenuous cases, I had to basically have the audio playing on my computer and then record off my computer's audio chip. Oh, gosh. So basically, so it would take 45 minutes to re-record in the proper format, the 45 minutes. I mean, none of them are 45 minutes, but you get the idea. Yeah. It, it was a little more... Just a little bit more of, okay, how do we take care of this file and that file? And we're going to have to think about things like that going forward. I don't know how many interviews, for instance, we'll get to do in the fall. Mm-hmm. If we're still... We're still going to be doing coronavirus things in the fall. I can tell you that for certain. So we'll have to think about ways to do the podcast that can still sound good. Mm-hmm. What kind of file is best supported by Reaper and all those things. And I guess that was a way of us experimenting. And I think people at this time are very forgiving of technical difficulties. Right. But, you know. And from an editing perspective, I will say that was probably the most passionate I got with putting these episodes together in a while. Because, again, we'd, we'd gotten into a routine. I knew what to look for. I knew what to adjust. But that was a new experience and a new 
format for me to be putting together of all those all those myriad files and how I wanted each segment to sound and what I've and I got a new song uh, from Patricia Texon's album uh, after using Dead Inside for so long. I got a, a new song that re- I think really fit the tone of what we were going for. I don't know if I blended it all perfectly. I was working in the dead of night on some of this, but <laughs> it yeah, I was really happy with that one. It was good. I specifically wanted to make sure that we didn't use dead inside. Oh, of course not. Because yes. Just because of the title, I was like... Well, title alone, but even then, just... But the music was fine. We needed a change-up, and I liked... I, w- I kind of liked that it it felt... It gave a communal church-like feel to yeah. it with, with, the or- with the electronic organ-type music in the beginning and then how it developed from there. So that was nice. So after the pandemic episode, Ben came and saved our butts by doing an interview with us on Zoom. Yes. He came back and talked about education. I thought it would be nice to talk to him ostensibly it was supposed to be about ostensibly it was supposed to be that's repetitive ostensibly (laughs) it was about education during pandemic times Mm -hmm. but we talked about a lot more yes and that was fascinating Mm -hmm. and again i'm not going to go on and on about ben because i already have but that was a really cool i think technically that was interesting to do because we may have to do more of that where we do remote interviews so how did that work out? Uh, well, I left you to figure out the technicals of Zoom stuff. Number one, because you've done more of that before. Number two, I was just plain lazy. But but once you started editing it, how did that go? Or did you? So there was the point where the power went out, and I absolutely had to cut a few, cut some time on both ends of that dead zone just to make that work. Um, I've peep that that is probably from the from an outside perspective our worst put together episode <laughs> just in the sense that sometimes the internet got slow and some of Ben's speaking became drawn out because yeah. the signal wasn't coming through properly and I couldn't do anything to fix that I I cut that out where I could and some of it some of it, I kind of had this perverse feeling of, oh, that kind of fits what he's talking about. That's yeah, fun. I felt the same way. <laughs> that is interesting to me because I've seen a lot of these concerts and talk shows and things that are now online that use Zoom or some equivalent. Yes. And they, I don't know what they're doing. I guess it's because they're top of the line professionals, but. Oh, absolutely. They no are, question. I mean, the view is using Zoom or something like it. And it's just. <laughs> So we'll have to do some investigating, although it, we'll see. We, we're, I think next year is going to be a little challenging for us in terms of my original concept. For, if I stick with the original concept of an interview podcast, we're probably going to be doing a lot of Zoom interviews or something like that. Yes. Although maybe this will be the time to transition because you were already thinking of wanting to do some more put together, researched, almost like editorialized stuff. Yeah. So, Well, let's talk about, we're, we're going to move into, in this final few minutes, reflecting on this experience and then talking about the future of the podcast. So, Or we could just go fractal. We could look back on the fact that we're making this episode and how we looked back on the first oh, episode. Shut up. Okay. So I would say I have learned a lot about podcasting over this mm-hmm. time. But what I've really learned more interestingly i think is that there is a really powerful feeling that you get coming up with an idea or for a project whether whether it's a podcast or anything Mm -hmm. and actually making it happen yeah like there's something i remember i've done two one-man shows in my life i did one in 2007 at ua in Morgan Hall, I did one on my 40th birthday. I rented the space. I, it was, I, had, I had about 60 or 70 people there. 
those are the only equivalents that I can think of to this. Mm-hmm. The idea that even though it's it's not earth shattering stuff, it's not. I don't know. It's just that it was a vision that I had, and I brought it to life. Mm-hmm. And it involved this time. It's not a one man show. It involved you. It involved all these people that we interviewed. I can look back at this now, and it's just this. It's a. It's an experience that I learned a lot about connecting with people, asking good questions, listening, learning how to speak better, <laughs> being more cognizant of what I'm saying listening to the feedback that I get from other people and thinking about how I can incorporate that. And it's also very vulnerable. Yes. And I didn't, I was, I was comfortable being vulnerable and so were the guests. So was everybody who came on. I think it's very brave of them to talk about themselves and their experiences so freely and know, knowing that I'm going to be putting it out into the world. Mm -hmm. And I've really enjoyed that sort of shared vulnerability that shared experience, the shared meaning, I've learned a lot from it. and I've, But more than learned, I've just experienced it. I remember how, especially after the first five or six, it was like a high. I would be on this high after the interview. Do you remember Absolutely. that? Absolutely. And it's just so nice. I have really, really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. But what have you learned from this experience? Um, I know it's different for you. So oh, it's absolutely different for me. I've learned a, a great bit about just... I've trained myself into the Reaper software a fair bit. Uh, not as much as someone doing this professionally would have, but I've, I've learned a bit, a fair bit about that. Um, I mostly... Let me say this. With the coronavirus things being what they are, I've not been able to work for several weeks, and one thing that I've been trying to think about as what part of what I've been doing with this has been not necessarily having to extract the value out of all of the time through that and granted i've had a lot of downtime where it's just been absolute boredom but i've still been able to enjoy myself in spite of the situation we're in and looking back i some of some of my better memories from this past year have been from just sitting and observing in the moment and being able to record and then put together these episodes. It's, I don't know if I can necessarily put it into words, a lot of the skills that I've picked up through this, but I can say that the experience is something that I appreciate. And I want to say this too, before we talk about the future of the podcast, one of the great things about this is that it gave us, you and me, something in common to work on together and to to grow together with and learn, even though we're learning different aspects of the same thing, we, it's, it's our project. Do you know what I mean? It really is our project. Speaking as the one stuck in his youth. um, (laughs) Thanks. Sorry. Am I stuck in my old age? No, but just I've not had a relationship before where I've really managed to engage with someone on that level before. It's always been we're doing our separate things, and this has been an experience that has really been nice of, oh, we can work together on something. And the cool thing is that we, our jobs are different, our minds work differently, but then when you put us together on this common enterprise mm-hmm. is that the next star trek the yes. common enterprise we have it's a new way to bond it's a new way to connect and i really have enjoyed that and mm-hmm. i'm very appreciative appreciative 
appreciative. Appreciative of everything that you have done. I mean that. Thank you. I could not have done this without you. Thank not you. Not the way much. that it's done. Mm-hmm. And you also gave me courage. Like it was. It's nice to have a a partner in it. That makes me more courageous in calling people and setting up inter- interviews and Absolutely. knowing that you're going to be there with me mm-hmm. helps. It really does. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about in the last few minutes my ideas for the future of the podcast and yours. Sure. I definitely want to spend the summer thinking about what I want to do starting in the fall. So the podcast will start back in the fall. We'll have probably double the episodes or around that. More like 20 or 22 episodes next year. I would say so, yes. I I'm I have a few ideas in my mind. I don't think every episode is going to be an interview next time. No. I wanted there are some special projects that I want to do like more of a produced piece on Ryan's school, maybe a series. I've talked about that a lot. Ryan's school which we talked about with Kenyla and Christy, you may recall. Yeah. I would I would like to do things like that. I've thought about getting people on who have creative projects, maybe even doing like a spoken word and then talk about them. It doesn't have to be spoken word, but people who can come on and share something that they've done and then talk about it, whether it's artistic or maybe it's even scientific. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I would like to do more produced pieces, I think, which is going to be more work for you probably. Honestly, <laughs> I'm thinking it's probably going to be more work for you. <laughs> well, it's going to involve more research mm-hmm. and I'm up for that. I would like to do more on education and I, I really want to start writing again more. And I've learned that I'm, I'm more interested in, in, in nonfiction. Right. And I'm finding this new interest in re- doing research. I'm currently doing research for an article that I want to write about something related to education. And I really like the, the research process. I would love to do research on Ryan School, on Morgan County, on Alabama. On, th- there are things that I, I want to work on. I think I could work them into the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. Um, what about you? I would well. First of all, I would say I would hope that the coronavirus uh, anthology episode that we did could, at the very least, give you some confidence that I can take whatever amount of editing that you throw at me. Because yeah. if if I can <laughs> handle if I can handle all those files coming together and I can adapt to a new format and a new creativity of how I of how I put it together within there, I've. I think I can take whatever idea you sketch out for me and develop it from there. So I hope that you have that confidence in me. Well, we'll see what happens. I guess I don't have a... One of the things I like is to be is to let myself be open to intuition and mm-hmm. to... I do think it's important to plan things. And I think it's important to have a vision. But I want to spend the summer really just playing around and figuring out what kinds of interesting things I can do next year. I just want to continue to be inclusive I want to continue to celebrate people who are doing things in the community, but I want to expand beyond that and maybe interview people who are doing, who are in politics perhaps, Mm -hmm. or involved in positions of power in education. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be hard hitting journalist or anything because I'm not a journalist, but I do, I want to push myself a little further to try different things, to go out on different limbs. And there was a woman I wanted to interview so bad last year. What was her name? Celeste. She's an artist. And she had an installation at Birmingham Museum. Yes. The, uh, the not gerrymandering, the red the redlining? Yes. Yes, the redlining exhibit. Redlining exhibit. I would love to talk to her. But I want to get artists, visual artists, and just, I love talking to artists. But I also want to maybe talk to politicians, more community leaders, but also do those produced pieces 
where I have to do some research. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. I'll spend the summer trying to figure out what would work best. And then we'll be back in August, late August. If I may drop one little idea before we go. Sure. Um, just to follow up on a thread that I think came up in a few episodes. So we, I had thought about having my own side project along the way. On yes. This. Um, I was going to ask you about that, actually. Yes. Um, I had been looking at a comic book series from a good 15 years back and looking to do some research into it. Uh, again, though, my work got heavy and my emotional state went up and down with it. And I, I, I won't promise anything. I don't think it's necessarily... I don't think my interest in it is necessarily dead, but I don't see that happening anytime in the future. I do think I might want to put together a smaller project at some point, maybe just have one episode of our set podcast down the line, maybe. Uh, you might remember, Jimmy, there was a time... We still have a bunch of uh, single floppy issues of comics that we got, that we were getting at Second and Charles and the like. And there was one of those that you and I just had a rip-roaring time reading, uh, me basically reading it to you uh, one afternoon. You remember it was black and white. It was like... Uh, World War II fight the Nazis but yes. made in the 90s very weird <laughs> sort of thing maybe I could just go through one of these floppies here and just do something a little simpler and fun just yeah. Yeah, uh, nothing too developed on the idea yet but just something I thought of while sitting here absolutely mm-hmm. and that brings up another thing eventually down the line maybe not in season 2 mm-hmm. but going forward somewhere because I want to keep doing this I will tell you this right now I'm going to keep doing this until the cows come home okay Good Lord willing and the creek don't rise, all that stuff. I really foresee in the future having, I would like to invite people to do podcast episodes. Sure. Um, I don't know how that would work. Um, my thought would probably be it would probably step closer to paying them. Uh. <laughs> no, I know, but I don't have any money to pay them. That's true. But at least, okay, well, anyway. Well, it was spitballing. It's fine. Fine. That's that. We're at 59 minutes, mm-hmm. and we probably won't have any interludes or breaks or anything, because that's pretty long. But yeah. you'll, you'll figure it out in the editing. I'll figure it out in the editing. It's been a wonderful experience. We have an entire season of a podcast behind us. I also want to do a new recording of Where You Are. I would like, if any of you are musicians and you would like to record Where You Are, uh, right in the corner Where You Are, feel free to do that. You won't get paid. But you'll be at the opening of the, you'll have you'll be the opening of the show, and you'll get credit, and we'll help spread the, uh, the your name. Let's exactly. say that. So I want to do the new, new. Oh, and I need new artwork. Gosh, ugh, I hate. It's a long story why I went with the black background, and the white letters, because I had something else, but it wouldn't work. It wouldn't upload. Blah 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 blah. But Just I'm, internet woes of getting the formats to fit. But we're gonna be back season two, new and improved. Late August. And I want to thank everybody, anybody who listened, who found any kind of meaning or joy or sorrow, whatever you found in the podcast. I'm glad that you listened. And oh, I hope you didn't find sorrow. No, no sorrow. <laughs> but anyway, whatever you got from it, if you got anything, I hope that you got something. And I really do thank you for listening. And we'll be back. Thank you. Thank you for season one, everybody. Goodbye. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Where You Are, a podcast created by Jimmy Ellenberg and edited by Fox Williams. The introductory music was Bright in the Corner Where You Are, a song performed by Billy Pollard and created by Ina Dudley Ogden and Charles Hutchinson Gabriel. 
All music was used with permission. Thank you again for listening, and have a nice day, wherever you are.